Listeners, are you looking for a beauty brand that's just as socially and ecologically conscious as you are? Then look no further. The Wander Parlor. The Wander Parlor is an online boutique providing clean beauty and wellness products from brands that are non-toxic, eco-friendly, cruelty-free, and made from conscious companies in the U.S. The Wander Parlor is a woman-owned and operated company that strives to educate and empower other women and men to live more clean and conscious lifestyles, not only for themselves, but for the planet too. The Wander Parlor is also part of the climate-positive workforce, helping to offset our carbon footprint by planting trees and funding climate projects all over the world. Use code AHW20 for 20% off your first order. Follow the Wander Parlor on Instagram at the.wanderer.parlor or on Facebook. To shop, visit the link description. Welcome to the Art of Health and Wellness, a conversation with Evie Williamson. Join us each week for a fresh new perspective on the world of health and wellness. We'll sit down with professionals who specialize in fields from physical and mental health to financial well-being, from politics to art. Listen to new episodes of Art of Health and Wellness every Sunday on Anchor FM, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook at A-H-W-E-L-W and on Instagram at at the.ahw.show. And welcome, everybody, to the Art of Health and Wellness. My name is Kate Saxton. I'm guest hosting for Evie Williamson this week. She's still getting all unpacked from her big move. Um, So this week I'm here with the founders of Blossom Mag, an online publication that is just teeming with good content. Um, Awesome stuff, little quick reads. Um, So if you guys would just go ahead and introduce yourself and we'll get started. Yeah, I'm Maddie Setka um, and I am one of the co-founders of Blossom Mag. And I'm Lola Estak. I'm the other co-founder alongside Maddie. (laughs) Awesome. Well, um, I guess let's just start from the basics. Um, What is Blossom Mag and how did it start? I guess I'll take this question. Um, Blossom Mag is an online publication, um, lifestyle magazine for young adults, written by young adults, edited by young adults, just to get a perspective that we haven't quite seen before in digital publications. Yeah. And um, should we tell our origin story? I think it's cute. Oh, please do. Um, So it was January of this year. And I texted Lola, I wish there was an online magazine for depressed 20 year olds. Um, (laughs) Just going through a rough week. And Lola was like, we could do that. So and then two weeks later, I had a pitch deck and contacted a bunch of people, and we were up and running a month later. Yeah, we really jumped into it, which is kind of crazy <laughs> looking back. I love that. It was our pandemic story. project. That's, yeah. I think a lot of people had a pandemic project, but I think you guys have had the most successful pandemic project that I've seen. So I think, it's, I think it's going really well. Um, but yeah, that's really great. Um, I think... Yeah, Blossom has uh, definitely blossomed into something that, um, just to be cheesy. <laughs> so um, what kind of content does Blossom deliver? I feel like we have a little bit of everything. We have 
lifestyle, we have entertainment, we have personal essays, and then we have original art, um, spotlights on different artists that are sort of within our community. Okay. And do you guys, are you planning on jumping into any other types of art um, soon? Like yeah, we, video content or something like that? We actually are working in the works of having, creating a poetry corner for Blossom. So we'll have a weekly poem. And we will also be creating a film category within Blossom. So it'll be film reviews um, and interviews with up and coming filmmakers just really all for young people and trying to get their voices out there. Nice. Mm -hmm. I feel like we know a lot of up and coming filmmakers just <laughs> having been yes. scared <laughs> and, you know, Oh, well, jumping backwards, um, kind of talk about y'all's experience, um, coming up to blossom, like what has facilitated you to kind of creating this just a little bit more delve into that, um, I wish there was a publication for 20-something depressed uh, people having a bad week. So d delve into that a little bit more. Um, okay, so my first college I went to was a small arts college in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Um, that school, rest in peace, actually went bankrupt and closed down. Um, so after that, I transferred to SCAD in Savannah. Um, and from there, I met Lola through I was her stage manager for a play that was produced by the school she was a great um, stage manager <laughs> thank you um and then she became my vice president in a student club I was running for the dramatic writing department um and from there I think we clicked yeah I think pretty. we kind of became a team after that yeah we're just like we work really well together um it's just Lola's probably the person I trust most in this world Aww. so it's and to do a project Lola would be the person I would want to do it with and I think just knowing knowing that I am so type A and can get stuff done but then knowing that Lola will have my back mm -hmm. just I think really kind of inspired me to even reach out and be like we should do something like we should have something creative to build our portfolios as artists and also to help all of our struggling friends who graduated into a pandemic and getting really their voice heard. And so they have published work to share in with their job applications to find like their career jobs. So I think that was kind of the main inspiration. Nice. Awesome. Lola, give us some of your origin story. Um, so I went to SCAD. I was a film major for like 30 seconds and then I transferred <laughs> to dramatic writing. I feel that. I feel that. I think right that's choice. What everybody in dramatic writing did. Yeah. Like nobody comes in with that major. Um, well, I came in, but I was a film major in my first school. Yeah. So I switched before I did not experience SCAD film. But you had time to realize this. <laughs> You're <mistake>. so lucky. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I was involved in um, a lot of student run projects. I had the play where I met Maddie, um, I worked on some of the original sitcoms SCAD did. And that, um, that community that you find when you're working on projects like that, mm -hmm. um, I loved it. And I think we kind of have carried that over into Blossom where it's, it's a group of people working together on separate projects, but we can all like go to each other for advice and collaborate on different aspects of it. I like that. Just the fact that we've met people from all over 
the yeah. U.S., just other people bringing their friends into the project. And it's like, now I have all these people. I've never met them in person. But it's still like, I'll still text them like, hey, let's talk plays or let's talk art. And mm. it's just, it's really nice to have the sense of community despite being so far away from everyone. Especially right now. Because yeah. together. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, what do you feel like sep- uh, sets Blossom apart, like separates it from other online publications? What makes it special? So I think what really makes Blossom special is that we don't have um, 40, 50-year-olds running the publication and hiring young writers. We are young people run, young people contributed to. Um, it's really, we're trying to tell authentic stories. We don't, like, we try not to censor anybody and what they can talk about as long as their message is inclusive and supportive of everyone. It's, we really just want people to tell their authentic truth and have a place where they can do that without fear of being judged. And we can learn from each other. Nice. That's a, that's a good kind of a safe space, I guess you would call it. Mm-hmm. So um, what are some of your favorite articles that you've worked on? And give us some background on those. Um, well, I, I tend to write a lot of um, entertainment-focused things. And I recently published an article about my childhood obsession with Lost, the TV show. Um, and I had so much fun writing that. And it was weirdly like a way to work through a lot of things. Um, in terms of how I relate to the world and how I relate to other people. Um, it's I such had... a good article. She relates going to a Claire's accessory shop to her obsession with TV in general. And, how and was... I, I don't know how she does it. It's so good. Because <laughs> it was both me trying to fit in with like my second grade class in different equally ineffective ways. That's really interesting. I remember being in second grade and just wanting to fit in with people. Um, well, going forward, um, describe, well, you've kind of described your professional background. Um, kind of tell us more about your personal background. Like, where do you come from? Tell us about your parents. What are your deepest, darkest fears? Oh gosh. Deepest, darkest fears. Um, How much time do you have? (laughs) We've got an hour. We can get into a solid therapy session. Yeah. Okay. Free therapy. I'm down. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well, my background, um, I was born in the Northeast. Um, I moved around a lot as a kid. Um, I was homeschooled, so I had that kind of flexibility. So I moved, lived all around the Northeast, lived in California for a bit, and then Texas and Australia for a year, and then back to Texas. So I've kind of lived all over. Um, I was homeschooled, so I always kind of had a lot of time as a kid. I spent a lot of that writing, reading, drawing. Um, doing anything creative I could. And then by the time I actually went to public school in high school, um, a lot of that was, especially in the South, and being raised um, non-religious by my family. Um, It was just a lot of, and being liberal as well, is just finding how I fit in and how to stand up, like, for my beliefs, but also having people write, like, in my yearbook, like, give Jesus a chance. Um, (laughs) Scandalous. Oh, my gosh. No one at my school was so bold. Oh, no. they The Southern Baptists at my school, they they got mean to me. Gosh. It wasn't Bless their hearts. (laughs) Bless their hearts, indeed. Yeah. So I think just having 
like that background really kind of formed who I am and me being very stubborn and opinionated, I think stems a lot from kind of having to defend myself and my upbringing my whole life. But yeah, that's kind of me. All right, Lola, take, take um, the stage. Okay, I feel like my backstory isn't as interesting, but um, I grew up right outside of Philadelphia. That's where I lived almost my entire life up until college. Um, and I think my family, I mean, both of my parents went to art school. I have cousins and uncles and aunts who all went into art in some capacity. So it was a really good environment to grow up knowing that I wanted to be a writer. Um, I always felt very supported, which I'm really lucky to have grown up like that. Um, yeah, and I think that has helped me uh, feel more confident um, in starting something like Blossom, knowing I have that support system to fall back on. All right, so you've, you've known for a while that you wanted to be a writer. Oh, yeah, since I was like a baby. Okay, so did you know, I have had one career goal. Did you know right away what you wanted to write, or did you have to kind of go through a, a metamorphosis, as it were? Um, yeah, I mean, I always knew I wanted to write, and then as soon as I realized what TV was and that people were allowed to, like, have a job writing it, I knew that's what I wanted to do. Okay, okay. And Maddie, when did you realize that you wanted to be a writer? I mean, I think I wrote my first chapter book, and by chapter book, I mean it was three chapters. I think it was about a girl finding a fairy community um, when I was six, seven. Um, and ever since then, I was like, oh, I want to be a writer. I want to be a writer. But then as I went to school, I was like, hmm, maybe I should do something that can pay the bills. So I went we through a phase. I was like, maybe I'll, be, yeah. <laughs> maybe I'll be a vet. Maybe I'll be like a physical therapist. Realize that like, I don't like blood. I don't like sweat. I I don't really want to deal with needles and all that. You do like tears, though, being a writer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, Lots of tears. But then <laughs> when I spent my year in Australia, I had the opportunity to take a film class. Um, and I started, I wrote my first ever script when I was 17. And I just kind of fell in love with it. So I was like, I should go to film school. Um, film school didn't really work out. Um, I really wanted to focus more on the writing side. So I was like, let's shift. Thought I would want to write films, but now I think writing TV is definitely more interesting to me. I definitely feel that. For me, like, I always knew I wanted to be a writer, but then I had to flirt with, like you said, more practical things. Like, mm -hmm. I wanted to be a fashion designer for a little bit, but... <laughs> So I, I always wanted to come to SCAD, but I, I started out wanting to um, be a fashion designer. Um, so then I kind of flirted with that, and then I got into film, and then it just kind of developed into dramatic writing. And I feel like dramatic, we all end up in dramatic writing. I yeah. feel like the dramatic writing department is just a safe haven for weird kind of <laughs> people who just need to write, you know? Yeah. It's, I mean, I remember having conversations with somebody like, why do you write? And I was like, well, I said, I don't like any of my writing, which is just, it's an honest, like a writer doesn't like their writing. I feel that. And they were like, well, why are you even a writer? It's like, well, cause I need to write. It's not yeah. like, I don't want to write. <laughs> I never like, want to write. What else am I supposed to do? <laughs> but I need to, it's how I process the world. 
Exactly. And I think there's just sort of this satisfaction with like finishing a piece and going up to some, like you don't want to show it to anybody, but (laughs) there's such satisfaction in like when you do finally give it to somebody and they're like, oh, this is good. Like, I like this. I like this part. And there's just like this, like, oh my God, somebody read it. Somebody understood. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It it builds community. Yeah, absolutely. And for me personally, I feel like I have trouble being kind of communicating verbally rather than like mm-hmm. writing things down. So I don't know oh, if you absolutely. guys have that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're writers are both great and terrible at communication. <laughs> yes. We're good at that one form of communication. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, um, kind of describe to everybody how they can reach you. Where I mean, of course, where they can find Blossom Mag, um, but also where they can reach you personally um, if they want to just see your work. Yeah, um, my handle for everything is Maddie with a Y underscore Sutka, S-U-T-K-A. Um, that's Instagram, Twitter. Um, but then... Our Blossom accounts are at the Blossom Mag on everything. We have TikTok, um, Instagram, Twitter. We have a Spotify, which is also just the Blossom Mag, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, and then, of course, we have our website where we post articles every week, which is just blossommag.com. So it's very simple. It should be easy to remember. <laughs> and Lola, Lola how do you can we find you? you? Oh, um, I'm on Twitter at the Lola Jane. Um, J-A-N-E. I don't, I don't think I need to spell that, but I don't in case there's I another way to spell Jane. Maybe there is. Maybe with a Y. Yeah, it's some, not with a Y. Some people spell Kate K-A-I-T, and that drives me bananas. I knew a girl who spelled Usually that's what it's short for Caitlin. Yeah. Like C-A-T-E? Yeah. No. I don't like that. Yeah. That's... <laughs> I'm very staunch about the way to spell Kate. It's K-A-T-E. I I don't care if you're Catherine There you go. Maddie has very strong opinions (laughs) about the spelling of her name. I.E. who? (laughs) I.E. people are a much different brand of Maddie than Maddie with a Y. It's just, it's much different. (laughs) Two different people. Well, Maddie with a Y and Lola, we will be right back. We're going to take a quick sponsor break and... Yeah, we'll be right back. Listeners, are you looking for a beauty brand that's just as socially and ecologically conscious as you are? Then look no further. The Wander Parlor. The Wander Parlor is an online boutique providing clean beauty and wellness products from brands that are non-toxic, eco-friendly, cruelty-free, and made from conscious companies in the U.S. The Wander Parlor is a woman-owned and operated company that strives to educate and empower other women and men to live more clean and conscious lifestyles, not only for themselves, but for the planet too. The Wander Parlor is also part of the climate positive workforce, helping to offset our carbon footprint by planting trees and funding climate projects all over the world. Use code AHW20 for 20% off your first order. Follow the Wander Parlor on Instagram at the.wanderer.parlor or on Facebook. To shop, visit the link description. You're listening to the Art of Health and Wellness. Let's get back to this week's conversation. 
right, we are back from the break. Um, we realized that we didn't get to hear about Maddie's favorite article that she had worked on. So Maddie, if you could tell us about your favorite article that you've worked on. Um, my favorite article is probably one I just wrote recently, which is about actually visiting my abandoned, my former college campus now that it's been abandoned and grown over. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, the <laughs> the prairie dogs have claimed it as their own. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a ghost town. So it was just about me kind of reflecting being 18, 19, falling in love for the first time, being in a city, the, like the first place that was my home away from home, but also realizing like, I do not like the person I was when I was there. I, there's a lot of, it was a really hard couple years for me and ultimately why I left. Um, so it was just this weird this weird feeling about revisiting New Mexico and being like, this feels like home, but also I hate being here. Okay. So it's a, it's a sad read, but it's so it's well done though. It's piece. really beautiful. That sounds Thank like you. such a saga, like a real it, personal growth novel. Yeah. And it was, it was very weird. Cause I visited the campus and then I had to write it with two days later and edit it and publish it like within the week. So it was very much like, okay, so you got to like process all these emotions and like now. <laughs> so it writing, was, it's the best form track of therapy. therapy. <laughs> yeah. No, and it did, it feels like it, a, like a weight was lifted of writing it. So I think it was very personal and probably the most personal piece. I've, up, I mean, a lot of my pieces are personal, but <laughs> I just talk about my feelings in every piece, but I think this one definitely had a special place. Well, I think that's a good place to get your writing from. Is it's it's a good way to express that vulnerability without having to necessarily give it to somebody. You can just give it to mm -hmm. your writing and then just yeah. give it to everybody on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. All right. So what genre do you guys normally deal with? I know you get into more um, personal kind of kind of stuff but with your screenwriting what kind of what genres do you explore and what kind of themes do you explore within that oh gosh um I think my I'm either writing a tragedy or I'm writing I, I feel like a lot of my things that I write have some kind of sadness to them I think everything I've, I mean, Lola's read everything I've ever written. Yeah, you and I think she tear jerkers. <laughs> so I think it's just, I don't know, maybe, maybe I should like see a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> Writing is, is great for me, but I think a lot of my stuff is, it is like, it's sad drama is always female led. Um, I've actually never written something with a male lead. <laughs> I just, that's okay. I we need don't. more of that. <laughs> Yeah. And it's, yeah. So I think it's just, it's sad dramas, sometimes for an older audience, sometimes for a teen audience. It's, it's really just me processing my emotions on paper and trying to make it relatable and enjoyable for others. And it, I mean, from what I've read, it is. <laughs> well, yeah, thank I think you. you did a great job with that. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, Kate, you were in my senior class. Yes. So you, you've seen my portfolio. <laughs> I have seen your portfolio and it's, it's pretty good. Thank you. I remember the, um, it was the screenplay about, um, the woman who steals her sister's husband. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, that one was juicy. 
<laughs> I, I haven't actually gone back to it because it's it's so sad. Like there's no light in that story. And so I think, I think that's sometimes the biggest issue when I'm writing is that I just write the sad and I need to get better at finding the happy because you might have a really sad life, but they're still happy. On the flip side of that, I feel like you do really well with comedy. Um, Your pilot, I remember, was very, it had some tough material, but it was definitely filled with a little little moments of light like little light comments thank you it was definitely a piece processing my own life and I think anytime you can put yourself in your characters it's better I mean I just anytime I write two characters talking I just think of me and Lola having a conversation <laughs> honestly <laughs> I'm like what funny banter would Lola say here yeah yeah all right so Lola on the flip side um what do you normally write what do you I've I've read your work too also very good also very humorous and light in where it should be so um kind of give us an idea of what you like to write um yeah I tend to write comedies um I love writing anything with like difficult characters who make bad decisions um I think that's fun and true to life most of the time um, I don't think anyone writes better dialogue than Lola, honestly. Thank you. It's, it's so witty. and Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that is an issue, though, because I'll write, like, five pages of dialogue and realize I have no action lines or anything. It's just people talking at each other. The struggle. And then I have to go through and cut everything down. <laughs> Should be writing TikToks. It's all talking heads. <laughs> just constant banter. You know, that's a job now. People, people write TikToks for a living now. And then none of oh, them will yeah. hire me. God, <laughs> we'll we'll write angry letters to them until they hire you. <laughs> so, um, I know both of you are getting your start in the entertainment industry. As as we said, you're looking to be hired by TikTokers. <laughs> um, I think we all are. Um, so, kind of give us an idea from your perspective what it's like being a woman in the entertainment industry. Um, kind of even just just out of school, fresh, fresh faced in the industry, give us your perspective, go. It's weird. I mean, um, I think it's great that um, the industry as a whole is making more room for women and other marginalized people. But I think there's still a lot of work to be done, even like looking at um, job applications and companies and stuff. It's all very male dominated. And it doesn't always feel like a welcoming space that I would want to go in and you kind of have to like keep an eye out for that and consider where you would fit in within that culture all right all right Maddie what are you what are your thoughts because I know you're out in LA doing doing the thing killing it killing it (laughs) um I mean it is weird being it's it can be hard to be a woman in entertainment. I know, like, personally, when I started in film, a big reason I left was because of sexism within student films. I would go on set as a grip, and I would be the only woman, and they'd be like, okay, so you're going to do crafty and makeup. And I'd be like, so my job is to feed you and make you look pretty? And I was like, I can barely do my own makeup. Like, (laughs) you need to find somebody else. Um, But, and then even, like, within... Like the, like the programs within SCAD, like there were many times, like I 
dealt with sexual harassment from other students and peers of mine. And it was just like, I was kind of expected just to kind of suck it up because I was in a leadership position at school. And so there were times where I was like, I don't feel comfortable. They're just like, well, you're the one in charge. So, and I'm like, okay, well, I guess this is, this is just how it is. And it's like, you kind of have to, it would just suck up that stuff. Like if somebody is making comments about your body or making you feel uncomfortable anyway, like you should not have to sit there and take it. But I think a lot of it is it's expected for the woman to tolerate it. And instead of rather than telling the man to be like, no, that's not okay. Um, so I think it's really just about finding your safe spaces and your, the people you want to work with. So it's even just applying for jobs, looking for jobs. It's like, I'm much more drawn to companies where women are leading are in leadership positions within the company. Um, my best interviews at any jobs have always been with women or, um, with other marginalized groups. But like, is, I think it, there is like this weird power dynamic that you have to, that you're always aware of as a woman that like, okay, I don't know if we, we are on the same playing field or if we can make the same jokes, if we can have the same banter. Mm -hmm. Then if I was with a woman, I would feel much more comfortable just having a conversation. Yeah. But I think it is hard. And there's like, of course, like a lot of personal like issues and trauma within that, that make me the way I am. But I think it is a pretty universal experience for a woman. Absolutely. To have I don't think I know a single woman who has not been sexually harassed in some form. Ugh, and that's so icky. And I'm so sorry that we all have to deal with that because that's <laughs> just like, like it makes it 10 times harder to want to stay in the business. Like that's already mm -hmm. just like, like throwing just like every obstacle at you. Like people don't want to read your stuff. People don't want to deal with you like and on top of it you have to field sexual harassment it's just like that's so icky yeah and it's it's also balancing like if you're assertive are you going to come across as bossy if exactly you're confident are you going to come across as arrogant or conceited and it's it's gender politics that shouldn't exist but we're still fighting them i think we're going to be fighting them for a long time to come unfortunately yeah well we are up to the task, I, I would say. We, should, we shouldn't have to be, but we are up to the task, I think. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, what has been your experience with health and wellness um, kind of throughout your life and um, specifically what, what your mental health uh, experience has been? I mean, I feel like I already said I should maybe be in therapy. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm just going to throw it out there. I really think that everybody, everybody should go to therapy. Like, 100%. at least for a little bit. At least for a little bit. So. Oh, if I had good health insurance, I would be there yesterday. I think if a lot of it is those services aren't usually good quality yeah. mental health care isn't always available oh, absolutely. to people. If you don't have good insurance, you don't have insurance at all. And I mean, that's unfortunate oh, yeah. because mental health should be a priority. Trust me. I know like the number of offices that are quality care, but then they're too expensive without insurance is just, and it can be like two seventy five for a visit, like, and upwards of like 300, 
for the first visit. So it's it's a matter of like saving up for the first visit and then saving up for like subsequent visits and it's just impossible and it's it's where we're failing as a society. Yeah. So totally agree. But anyway, <laughs> your, your, your journey, your experience, what has your uh, health and wellness experience been? I think I'm very much still on that journey. I mean, Lola can attest to this. I need to do better at self-care and prioritizing my own health because I, I work a lot. I have three jobs right now, so it's very much trying to my one time a week is I have like an hour long episode of The Bachelor. And that's kind of like my one me time, but I know I need more than that. And so I think it's very much, it's it's a process. And hopefully it'll be a process I get better at. Well, you know, you can only, you can only get better from here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what about you, Lola? What has your health and wellness experience been? Um, similar to Maddie, I think I'm definitely still on a journey of figuring out how to balance my own health and wellness. But um, yeah, I've been on and off different meds, seeing different therapists, just trying to figure out what works best for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've been doing that since like middle school, which is (laughs) very mental. (laughs) It's been a long journey. Um, (laughs) it is a long journey and you know it's a journey you say you're still on it but you're never going to get off it so yeah just strap in (laughs) y'all and I think that's part part of like blossom like we're just all figuring it out and I Mm -hmm. think that's really like we're just a bunch of young people trying to figure it out and hoping that somehow we can relate to other people with our struggles it's so hard because we can do things if, if there was just a blueprint, if there was just like a book or something to say, this is how you do it, do this, this, and this, and you'll be fine. But there's no book. There's no, maybe. No, and there's nothing really for our age group either. Cause mm-hmm. if you do have like the advice from our parents, whether they're boomers or Gen X, it's like they grew up in a different time, mm-hmm. like, so we're having to navigate all these things. I Most of the contributors for Blossom, I think, were born in the late 90s. Um, so we're kind of the cusper generation between millennials and Gen Z, which I don't think anyone really knows how to handle it. People still don't know how to handle Gen Z. And I think Gen Z is suffering because of it. Um, I think mental health, living with social media. We saw the invention of social media. Like, I remember, like, flip phones like so I think it's just having to live with all these fast changes and not having resources or people who are older and wiser who have lived through it to be able to help guide us I think that's where it's lacking and we have to kind of figure it out ourselves and hope that we do a good job and do a good job for any of our future children or young people in the world and helping guide them absolutely I think you know I'm seeing um I'm I personally am seeing something, kind of a phenomenon develop, like this weird, it's not quite young adult, but it's this young adult section between teenager and young adult that we're, we've, we as a generation are kind of developing, um, where we still need help. We still need help from our parents. We still need help from, um, like schools, resources, where we... We just don't quite know what we're doing. And I feel like generations before us have at least pretended to know what they're doing, but 
you know? And I think part of that has to do with, with wealth disparity. A yeah. lot of that has to do oh, yeah. with like, you used to be able to graduate college and you would have a job, you would have, you could get a job at a grocery store and afford a house. Mm-hmm. It's like, I have to work to, to pay jobs to make rent. And it's like, that's, that should not be normalized. No. We should have, we should be able to have fulfilling lives without feeling like a slave to capitalism, <laughs> essentially, <laughs> not to get all like. No, but you know, I mean, <laughs> that's, it is what it is. It is what And I think, it yeah, is. <laughs> I mean, we've been, since the 2008 recession and now we're in a current like recession and unemployment issue where the entertainment industry is so like overwhelmed with applications. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's hard to get employed and it's hard to get employed into what you want to do and also be paid fairly. And I think that that's another issue that our parents did not have to experience. Mm -hmm. They don't know what it like. We grew up in a post nine 11 world. Like everything was different for us. Like security was heightened. We didn't like, we don't have the resources that they had. And I find it so interesting how how that affects kind of the the content that people are consuming, like the content that people want to consume. Like, I don't know anybody who has cable anymore. I I work at uh, <laughs> you know I work at a TV station. So when I came in, they were like, "Well, what do you watch on TV?" And I was <laughs> like, uh, "Nothing. I I stream everything. I stream it, or I watch TikTok, or I watch YouTube. So it's just." it's really interesting to see how how content consumption is being affected by capitalism you know <laughs> yeah but now we have a hundred different streaming services and it's just as expensive as cable oh, once yeah, was yeah, we reinvented cable absolutely and, <laughs> and more to come like every day people are releasing some new streaming service it's like i'm sorry i'm gonna stick netflix hulu and maybe hbo and i think that's that's my limit. I have to stop there. <laughs> See, I'm an Amazon Prime kind of girl uh, myself. I, I feel like I, I'm an Amazon Prime. But that's, that said, my boyfriend has uh, HBO, so... HBO is good. You know, when you... It's like these days when you get into a relationship, you're kind of like combine, combining assets is combining your subscription <laughs> services. <laughs> like, so. I don't have a savings account, but you can have my Netflix password. Absolutely. <laughs> it's more important, honestly. That's, absolutely, you know. Um, I mean, that's, that's true love. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that is true love. Um, but, um, kind of getting more into self-care, um, what, I know you said that you don't have a very, um, up and running self-care routine right now, but, um, what would you like to do for self-care? What would your ideal self-care routine be? Oh, I mean, I guess if I had to pick, I would just like time it'd be nice just to have like time just to sit down have a glass of wine and just like relax and not have to feel like I've got to consume everything I've got to do everything Mm -hmm. and I think honestly just some time time would be so nice (laughs) what about you Lola it's a tough question um I feel like I need to work on like taking better care of myself. Um, I hate cooking and I I do not eat as well as I should. And I need to like figure out how to actually make a meal that I enjoy mm-hmm. and just 
Because I mean, once you start eating well, that fixes so many problems that I think that's like so irritating that like if you exercise, drink I water know. and eat healthy, it's like, okay, so I feel better. What is it this? should be so <laughs> easy, but I just cannot do it. But you know, it costs so much to eat healthy. So it comes it really back does. to it comes back to capitalism. It costs time and money. It does. <laughs> And it's like sometimes I can't cook a whole meal. I get home from work and it's like, okay, I'm just going to make some chicken nuggets. Like, (laughs) you know, my, um, I'm actually really lucky. My boyfriend cooks, so, um, I don't have to worry about that most nights, but before I would come home and put in a pack of ramen and just kind of like, just kind of munch on it, you know, Yeah. or like not even eat anything, you know, there are still some nights when I come home and you know, I'm lazy and he, and he isn't there. So, um, I just, I don't eat anything. And that's so, I think that's the most unhealthy thing you can do. So as long as you are eating, then cheers to you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, this is, this next question is a question that Miss Evie always asks of her guests. Um, so I kind of, kind of try to continue it when, um, I'm guest hosting. So if you could do anything in the world with 100% success, what would you do? It's a tough this, Such a broad it question. Is a, it, is, it is hard, especially because I feel like we're both young and we're figuring out exactly what we want to do and where we want to be. Well, I like think you, you in I, this moment. In this moment, I think right now a lot of my time is going to blossom and I would really love to see it grow and be a hub for young people and their art and just to see it see it grow into something that is successful is is encouraging and it would be really nice to just be able to fund artists and give them a platform that is respected and reputable and I hope that one day blossom can get there nice all right what about you Lola I mean, Maddie had a great answer. Um, I also want Blossom to grow and become a place where other people can go and feel inspired and supported. But um, I would love to just get a job. It's so hard right now. I feel that. I feel that. I've been applying for so many things and getting so many rejection emails. It is tough. Mm-hmm. It is tough to, to get into that first step, you know. It's mm-hmm. But, you know once you get there, everything opens up, but it's really, I, f- I feel, I feel you trying to, <laughs> trying to find a job right now. It is, um, it is excruciating. So definitely, definitely sending you good vibes on that front. Um, sending you good, lots of hiring vibes to you. <laughs> um, all right. So that is kind of the end of the interview. Um, do you guys have anything else you'd like to add? Anything you'd like to clarify, um, get out in front of um, before it comes back to cancel you? <laughs> um, I think we covered anything. Just read our articles on bossandmag.com. Yeah. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter and everywhere else. Excellent. Well, yes, absolutely. Go find them on Blossom Mag, um, on Instagram, on Twitter, um, everywhere you can, um, because these ladies are hilarious and always, you know, into something new. 
So um, thanks everybody for listening to the Art of Health and Wellness. Uh, we'll be back next week with a new episode and Miss Evie will be back next week. So stay tuned and we'll see you then. Thank you for listening to the Art of Health and Wellness, a conversation with Evie Williamson. Join us again next week when another knowledgeable guest will give us a fresh new perspective on the world of health and wellness. Keep up with us on Facebook at A-H-W-E-L-W and on Instagram at at the.ahw.show. The Art of Health and Wellness, new episodes every Sunday on Anchor FM, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Listeners, are you looking for a beauty brand that's just as socially and ecologically conscious as you are? Then look no further. The Wander Parlor. The Wander Parlor is an online boutique providing clean beauty and wellness products from brands that are non-toxic, eco-friendly, cruelty-free, and made from conscious companies in the U.S. The Wander Parlor is a woman-owned and operated company that strives to educate and empower other women and men to live more clean and conscious lifestyles, not only for themselves, but for the planet too. The Wander Parlor is also part of the climate positive workforce, helping to offset our carbon footprint by planting trees and funding climate projects all over the world. Use code AHW20 for 20% off your first order. Follow the Wander Parlor on Instagram at the.wanderer.parlor or on Facebook. To shop, visit the link description.